Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Just as a heads up, we are holding in-person services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Also, if you'd like to join us for a to-go meal, we are serving those every Wednesday through our Bread of Life Cafe at 5.30 p.m. If you'd like to get more connected to our church, feel free to email centralchurch1 at gmail.com or call us at 513-481-5820. We look forward to hearing from you. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Chelsea, thank you for reading our scripture today. This is a really special one to me uh, because this was the first scripture as an awkward teenager that I ever absorbed, I prayed over, and then I more or less preached from. This is the very first one that I ever did. So I think the Millers and Brooklyn saw this picture that Kayla keeps of me, that my prom picture. Like, just imagine my awkward teenage self, and I was not about to throw that up there. <laughs> they were not supposed to see that. <laughs> but they did, so they're the only ones that get to see it. But... Um, here's the thing this text means a lot to me because it was the very first one that I got to preach from and it's special because it's a difficult one of all the things that I could have preached from like this is the one where you have this huge crowd of people and then you end up with 12 and it feels like an then there were none type situation but I love this story because it's preceded by a miracle. Jesus feeds this huge group of people. And I often hear a lot of folks say, if I could just see God do something amazing, I would never, ever leave him. If I could just see God perform one of those miracles, like feeding the 5,000 or healing somebody who is blind, I mean, sign me up. I'm there all day. Just need to see that one sign. But here's the thing. These people saw that sign, and it wasn't enough. Literally took like one guy's groceries and fed thousands of people. And I think that we often get in this mode of, if I could just see that miracle. It's just like this experience, oops, sorry, this experience at Mount Sinai in the Exodus, right? Not only did they see God part the Red Sea and they walked through it and the Egyptians didn't. They saw manna come from heaven. They, they were given water. All sorts of miracles were happening. And you know what happens at Mount Sinai when Moses goes up to receive the law? They look at Aaron and they say, you know what, uh, he's taken too long. Let's worship something else. What do you got? Throw it into the melting pot. We're going to make something that we can worship. And then they do. They worship this idol because Moses has taken a little bit longer than they expected after seeing so many miracles. But the cost of following Jesus isn't waiting for the next miracle. It's remaining faithful because Jesus is faithful, right? It reminds me of when I was in high school. Again, awkward teenage self. You're just hearing my awkward grown-up self preach today. But my awkward teenage self loved pranks. Like, I adored pranks. I still love pranks. But my awkward teenage self loved them and followed through with them. 
So I worked for a hardware store. And I'm not going to tell you the best prank that I did there. That, you have to really talk to me on a personal level to hear that one. But I'm going to tell you, like, that prank was a miracle. So I was waiting for the next one. And we had this cashier, you know, I was a high schooler. I worked for a hardware store. And for some reason, you know, the high schoolers would work in the evening, right? Because we couldn't work during the school day. But for some reason, my manager decided to hire somebody who's very gullible to be the cashier in the evenings and work with us. And bless her heart, she just, she just really wasn't with it when it came to, I'm about to pull a joke on you because you could get away with so many funny pranks. Alas, the miraculous prank that I pulled. And again, you're going to have to talk to me personally to hear about that one. But I wanted to tell you about the next miracle. The next miracle is this. My friend and I decided to take advantage of the fact that this cashier was in charge of like the announcement system in the store. So she would have to make announcements to the store, right? And tell everybody, you know, there's a call on line one for so-and-so. I need more change at the register, whatever it was. And I remember distinctly thinking it'd be hilarious to sit out front in my car and the store was right there. And my buddy and I would call into the store and, you know, commence this prank. So as everybody, if I say, you know, it smells like up dog in here, do you know what I'm talking about? And then you go like, what's up dog? And I'm saying nothing much. What's up with you? Right? So we decided it would be really funny to call and ask the cashier, if this hardware store carried any up dog. So I call in and she's like, hello, this is the hardware store. I'm like, yeah, um, I need some up dog. Do you have any up dog in there? And then she's like, hold on a minute. And then she has the nerve to put us on hold. So I think that the prank is over. I think the prank is completely over. And I thought, you know what? There's only one miraculous prank that can happen. It only happens once. But I go into work the next day, and a friend of mine is like, did you call yesterday? I'm like, I don't know, what happened? And he says, well, you're never gonna believe what happened. The cashier, she got on the PA system, and she said, um, does anybody have any up dog? Is there any up dog in this store? Because Someone's calling and asking about it. And she, you know, she would have this very to the point kind of talk about herself. But I mean, I wish she would have asked what's up dog, but it was just as much gold to hear her announce that to the store and it made our day. But here's the point. Like I thought for a minute that this miraculous prank went to waste and that I was never going to see another miracle of a prank again in my life. But I did. And as silly as that is, we just have this problem with, we see something awesome happen, and then we go into this mode of this valley of things not being so great happening, right? So just like I was waiting for another prank to happen and I thought it failed, there was still goodness to come, right? But in our lives, we think often like, this morning stunk for the Geisen family, not literally, but it just wasn't great because we had a friend visit our house again 
an unwelcome guest. We had a raccoon out on our side porch. And I tried to scare it away. I'm like, I'm gonna get this guy this time. I'm gonna get him to run away. And it goes up into the chimney because I tried to scare it away. So now we have a raccoon living in our house. And after the awesomeness of, you know, a baby girl just being born and Jack just hanging out there and being really good, you know, this super negative thing happens and it's like, Lord, what is going on? Why does, why do bad things keep happening to us? You know, but it's so silly when you think of it because it's like God has been faithful through Kayla and Kayla's life and my life to bring us together, to give us the family that we do, to find this church and to love and serve God with you. I mean, that's God's faithfulness written all over it. But it's so easy to get trapped in like, okay, everything stinks now because one thing is going incredibly wrong. It's just a natural human reaction, but discipleship is our message today. How do we work through that, right? How do we work through that in a faithful way to where, and believe me, I'm not giving you answers today. I'm just going to journey through this with you. But how do we work through this faithfully? Let's consider our text. The crowd hears Jesus after performing the miracle of feeding the 5,000, and they remain confused and stubbornly opposed to his claims. So after Jesus feeds everybody and they're satisfied, they don't just like, it's not like going to a pizza party and then you get a slice of pizza and you're like, I'm still hungry. Why am I sharing this with everybody? This is the kind of thing where you ate and you were full and you were happy with what you had. But even after Jesus makes this claim that he is the bread of life, that he is the manna that's come down from heaven, these people remain confused and stubbornly opposed to him. And this, the vast majority of people, they see what Jesus just did, they see a miracle and it's not enough. They see his miracle and it's not enough. They're opposed to Jesus. He claims that he is the one true source of life. And this is a major theme in John's gospel. Later on, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the vine. He's going to talk about how he is the way, the truth, and the life. But regardless of how John describes it, this claim that Jesus is the one true source of life is often rejected by human beings. I'm not just talking about outright. I mean, there's just moments where we reject it, right? There's just moments where we look at our life situation. Maybe your finances have just fallen through this year because of the pandemic. Maybe, you know, whatever it is, something is going terribly wrong. You lost a loved one. You got the diagnosis you didn't want. And then it's, sometimes it's just easy to look at God's faithfulness and say, why isn't that continuing right now? Why isn't that still true? Why am I still experiencing the effects of a sin-marred world? The right response, though, is to hear Jesus' words and believe them. So oftentimes, I hear it portrayed this way. It's just once, right? You hear the gospel, you respond, you accept it, boom, done. But that's not discipleship. 
That's not the course of a life patterned after Jesus. Instead, this is a constant thing that we do over and over again. I'm not talking about being saved over and over again. I'm not talking about going through the waters of baptism more than once. I'm just saying the right response is in the moment. We assume that God is present right now. The right response is to hear Jesus's words and believe him again and again and again. That's what it means to be a disciple. But People can misuse, like this story that we just read, that Chelsea just read, they can use it for their own gain. It's often confused with true discipleship. So I want to kind of unpack this a little bit for you because this is where I want to go today, where I think that we need to go. This story uh, allows for us to do something. It allows for us to be misunderstood. So Jesus, you know, if you're associated with Jesus, he even says that the world will hate you, right? But what happens if it's like, I love to be hated. I love it when people are against me and I have something that I can show that they're wrong. Seriously, what happens? There are people, and maybe that's you in this room. Maybe you love to be misunderstood because it gives you the higher ground. I don't want to leave here without saying that, you know, oftentimes people don't want to be misunderstood. Like I'm a person who doesn't want to be misunderstood. That's part of the cost of discipleship. But on the other hand, people love to be misunderstood and use it as a way to prove others wrong. It's like, for example, if I tell you that I'm living my life this way and you're like, well, that's wrong. And it's like, well, you don't understand me. You need to work harder to understand me. But that's not authentic discipleship. People love to, and I don't like using this word, but I can't think of a better way to describe it. People love to be victimized. We would much rather be the person that's in a struggle than the person who is living as righteously as they can. Not everybody is a victim, but there are genuine victims too, right? Both are true. Not everyone is a victim, but some people genuinely are. Both realities are true. But discipleship if we withdraw from both the church and Jesus' offer to eternal life, the core of discipleship, we remove ourselves from being discipled. Let me say that again. We can withdraw from the church and Jesus' offer of eternal life, but if we do that, we're no longer disciples. Because discipleship is not something that you do by yourself. It's not something that you go into a quiet room and do and then come out like magically better. Discipleship is something that we not only submit to God, yes, we do that, but here's the strange thing about following Jesus and Christianity is that we submit to each other because we trust that when somebody becomes a Christian that the Holy Spirit dwells within them. 
It takes discernment. It takes patience. This is, discipleship is for the long haul. If you're in this for the short game, hate to tell you, <laughs> you're not going to enjoy this. But if you are willing to be in this for the long haul, you will find the joys of discipleship, I promise. So we have to submit to each other just as we submit to God. It doesn't mean the other person's always right. I'm not talking about putting yourself in a power struggle with somebody. I mean that we submit to each other as we submit to Christ. It's called mutual submission. Bonhoeffer says it this way, how would you expect to find community, a community of disciples, while you intentionally withdraw from it at some point? You can't be a disciple by yourself. It's impossible. Christianity is not a solo religion. You and I were meant to do this together. And now that, you know, we're sitting in here without masks on, we're able to gather more and do things much more normally. This is our opportunity to start intentionally being in each other's lives, to ask the Spirit what we can do to participate in God's making all things new. We can't afford to be so easily offended by the gospel in our lives that we abandon the church. I'm not just talking about central. I mean like, yes, we don't want you to abandon central, but we, I also mean this. So many people right now, and it makes sense, but they're seeing problems in the world and they're like, I don't know what to do with my faith, but just like demolish it. It's a buzzword right now. I know there's this idea of deconstruction. Like, I'm well aware of that. And, and I know that pain often triggers that. Hardships in life often trigger that. It makes sense. But there's no good deconstruction without true reconstruction in the Holy Spirit. There are things we believe about the Bible that need to be corrected. And in five years, if you ask me, do I view everything in the Bible the same way I did five years ago? I probably will say no, because I'm growing, hopefully. I'm learning more about God, and I hope you're doing the same thing. We shouldn't just be content to say, I figured it out. This is all I need to do. Instead, what we need to do is do this in community. And what I mean by community is the church. You and I were made to be together and to go into the world as disciples and share the good news of Jesus. So I want to just extend an invitation and, and say this much. Peter gets it right here. He often, it feels like in, in the Gospels, get it wrong. But he gets it right here because Jesus says, you don't want to go away too, do you? You don't want to bail, do you? Peter responds, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
we have come to believe and to know that you, Jesus, are the Holy One of God. To whom would we go? At some point in your life, whether you are, whether you're in high school or whether you are in retirement, at some point, even in the future, you will have an opportunity. You'll, you'll have an opportunity to bail. You will. That's always there. Because we can be like the majority of the crowd and say, you're saying some weird stuff, Lord. Like, that's, that's not going to work for me. It doesn't go with my worldview. Peace. We can also say this. Jesus, it doesn't all make sense. But where else are we going to go? Maybe you haven't seen Jesus do something that feels like faithfulness in your life for 20 years. Maybe it's been 20 years. Maybe it's been decades. Maybe it's been months. I don't know. It might feel like a long time since the last miracle, so to speak, in your life. But all it takes is once. All it takes is once to see Jesus as faithful. And that somehow, some way, he is Lord of heaven and earth right now. And if he is, that means he's coming back and he's going to make all things new. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to be oriented to that. I want my life to align with that. Because if it does, then I know what the future holds. And here's the other thing. Discipleship often includes pain. It often, and, and there's just no way around it. And this was the struggle I had in high school with this passage, and it's the same struggle I have today. I haven't gotten over this struggle. But the hardest thing about this passage is the disciples, the 12, probably felt like, Oh, this is awesome. All these people are going to start following Jesus. This is going to be great. They just saw him feed everybody. Just like it happened in the Exodus, except this time it's the real deal. And God's going to finish what he started. And then like, of the 5,000, there's 12 left. Can you imagine how painful that is? Today, for us, being a disciple the pain might mean feeling, and I mean just feeling this in the deepest part of you, feeling the pain of rejection from coworkers who are like, I don't get why you live the way you do. And I don't want to diminish that. I think sometimes it's like, that's not real pain. It is. It is real pain. It might be the pain of estrangement from friends or family who are like, your commitment to the gospel is insane. You really need to stop being so zealous. The pain of discipleship might also be, you see something wrong in the world and you try and address it and then you face a roadblock. The gospel calls us to address both the problems within us and the problems around us. 
Because God is making all things new, not just my personal self. If I wanted to make my personal self better, I would probably join CrossFit. I know, hilarious to think of. But it's not just about self-improvement. Because God is making all things new. That's John's other writing in Revelation 21. God is making all things new. Present tense, making all things new, and he will bring it to completion. To be a disciple is to submit to that and to work towards it together. So let's do that and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the truth that he is the bread of life. That he is the only one that satisfies. And as strange as it is to partake of his flesh and blood, which really means to believe in him, to partake in that means that we will truly be satisfied. We trust you to provide for us everything we need. And sometimes that means a lot of pain and loss in this present age. Some people in this room have experienced a lot more than I have. And Lord, we just grieve with those who grieve right now. But part of the discipleship means joy also. Some people have experienced a lot of joy in this room and not necessarily in material wealth or material gain or accolades, but God, maybe they're experiencing the joy of knowing that you are genuinely making all things new. So we rejoice with those who rejoice. So God, send us out as disciples, not as individuals, but as your church, Central Church of Christ, as we go out into the world and we show your love in a compelling way that says, I also want to be a student of Jesus. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. So next week's scripture, we're going to jump into John chapter 7. I love this story. It's, it's another compelling one. We're in this mode right now where Jesus is going to start healing and doing miracles. In this part of the gospel, John 1 through 12, basically, it's called the book of signs. This is where Jesus does his miracles, right? He does all these wonderful things that show that Israel's God has come in the flesh. But then we're going to get into the passion narrative, the book of glory. And I can't wait for that. So hang tight. We're going to get into that. And now, if you'll stand with me, I want to say a blessing over you, and we're going to sing our doxology. Girl, we never have before. Awesome.